0: This podcast of Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by BASF. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package
1: for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello everyone.
0: Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us as we start a new week here at mid-month. Thank you for letting us be part of your day. Weather still a big, big story. Amazing how much of the country affected by uh, some type of a storm yesterday and over the weekend. And other places uh, like where I'm at, central Illinois, had a snowy Palm Sunday, so a little bit of everything over the weekend. We'll talk with DTN meteorologist Mike Palmerino a little bit later on about, is this the week we finally start getting closer to spring-like weather for much of the country, or do we wait even longer? Also coming up on our program today, we're going to talk with the Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. Their motorcade for trade is underway. It got underway last Friday. We'll check in with them, see where they're at now, what happened over the weekend, what their plans are for the coming week. And also today we're going to talk with the Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council, Liz Wagstrom will join us to give us an update on African swine fever. China is still struggling to get control of that disease. It's starting to spread to other countries. We'll talk about it and uh, the threat to the United States and the precautions being taken here to keep it out. talk about all that coming up a little bit later on in the program. But let's start it off today with Sarah Wyant, Editor and President of AgriPulse Communications. She joins us from California. Hi, Sarah. How are you?
2: Uh, good morning, Mike. I'm doing great. Happy Tax Day. Happy WOTUS Day. <laughs> All sorts of great things going on for a Monday.
0: Yeah, it is the, the final day of the public comment period on the new clean water rule. We talked with uh, Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation last Friday. Uh, a lot of comments have come in, but uh, they're urging people to get more in today.
2: Absolutely. You know, there's not enough farmer sentiment that can probably come in to counter a lot of the robo-emails that will be coming in from others opposed to these changes. Uh, Our Jeff Nally was able to catch up with EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler on Friday in Kentucky, and he anticipates there'll probably be a million comments submitted before the end of the day. So uh, there's still some time for sending those cards and letters in and letting people know that the farm country wants a simpler, more streamlined Waters of the U.S. regulation.
0: Meanwhile, farm country and many others watching closely as trade talks between the U.S. and Japan get underway.
2: Absolutely, and that's really a big deal, as you know, Mike, especially for our beef, pork, and, and wheat producers who have been put at a major disadvantage because we were not part of the final Trans-Pacific Partnership. And now that the new comprehensive and progressive agreement for TPP has come together, we've been left out of the loop on some of those great deals. that We should be able to negotiate with the Japanese. What remains to be seen, I think, this week as the negotiators come together in Washington is whether agriculture can get much more than they would have already gotten under TPP or whether there can be some additional concessions made but even getting back to where we were would be a good start
0: that's kind of where we're at with a lot of this uh, sarah when you think about it we hope the new usmca will be somewhat better than the old nafta but it's pretty much close to what we would have had if we just stayed with what you know what what well, what we currently have with the old NAFTA. China, we're hoping it's going to be better, but right now just having what we had would be good. And now here we're talking about kind of the same thing with Japan and TPP.
2: Yes, it doesn't seem like the ball has moved all that far down the field, does it, Mike? No. But, I mean, at the same time, uh, the deal with the Chinese could be so large in terms of correcting not just on agricultural trade but a lot of different uh, uh problems that we've had with intellectual property, with uh, enforcement of agreements that the Chinese have said they wouldn't uh, put in place and have not followed through on. So if the China deal can get done within the next couple of months, and it does look like there's going to need to be some additional time, but perhaps in May, uh, that will be potentially a big win. But it it has to be a real uh, movement of that ball down the field. Uh, unlike some of these others where there has not been really that much gain.
0: Yeah, it seems like they've all been kind of like trade carrots that have been dangled in front of us for some time, and hopefully we're going to see uh, some results, some good results from them, hopefully soon. All right, uh, let's talk about a big case, and there you are in California, where I'm sure it's big news there too, Uh, the court case involving glyphosate, Roundup. I mean, this could have huge implications for agriculture.
2: It really does. And, you know, we've already seen the first two trials in California that have not gone in favor of their uh, formerly Monsanto's products, uh, Roundup. But what we're seeing now, and you're actually hearing Secretary Sunny Perdue weigh in on this, is that this would have a major impact on growers all across the country and really the world in terms of the ability to. Uh, you know, use a product that has been verified by EPA as safe. It's used under label directions. And, um, but jury trials are, are saying, no, um, you know, we've got plaintiffs here who have been able to say that the, there was not enough safety instruction, that there was a not enough label uh, requirements made. And so it's really putting a lot of the science that we've put so much of our agricultural products in front of folks uh, at risk. And I think that's really the you know the the thing that we're going to have to keep watching here is that if science can't prevail in some of these cases, then what really can we go forward with in terms of crop protection tools in the future?
0: I read an article the other day about uh, some of the folks at Bayer. I don't know if you'd call it buyer's remorse, but they're they're certainly nervous about how all this may turn out.
2: Well, and they're making a big push right now. You may see some of the media that they're. Uh, putting out full-page ads in the Washington Post and other uh, ways that they're trying to let people know that this is uh, really a much safer product than some of the things that we've used in the past. You and I growing up, Mike, knew that some of the things that we used were probably not nearly as safe as, as mm-hmm. a product like glyphosate, but still there's a risk out there, there's people who have been harmed, and, and it's a very controversial case.
0: Yeah, so we'll keep a close watch in that because it will have uh, great implications moving forward and Meanwhile, Sarah, talk about implications, the the winter that we're having now into spring that still seems like winter for much of the Midwest, this is going to be a story we'll be talking about well into the summer.
2: We will, and I think it's going to be actually into the fall, Mike, because, you know, those railways, those bridges, those roads, all the infrastructure that was damaged in addition to the bins, the farms, the uh, rural communities. And we've got a two-week recess here where Congress is out with no disaster bill being passed before they left. So until our lawmakers can kind of focus on what needs to happen in terms of disaster funding, I mean, there's only so much USDA and other agencies can do with existing funding until there's additional resources that are made available. So it's kind of a sad and very uncertain time for so many people who have been injured by these storms and natural disasters.
0: Yeah, I said, and unfortunately it came true. Uh, I said a couple weeks ago we'll probably have more disasters before we'll get uh, disaster aid passed, and now it's come true with more winter storm in the upper Midwest and the severe storms that have hit the south-southeast just over the weekend. All right, Sarah, as always, thanks for being with us. Talk to you again soon.
2: My pleasure, Mike. Thanks.
0: Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, let's talk more about that weather. Do we have a better week ahead? We're going to talk with DTM meteorologist uh, Mike Palmerino filling in for the vacationing, Bryce Anderson. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
3: Powerful, effective,
4: proven, tough, consistent,
3: reliable. A lot of adjectives can describe a herbicide's weed control, but one only applies to Liberty Herbicide. Superior. Liberty Herbicide has no known resistance in row crops, more convenient application flexibility, and excellent control of key weeds. All backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Learn more at liberty.basf.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping up on the latest in ag
1: is a challenge to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise
0: that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit fssystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next recently on Adams on agriculture plant-based burgers are in the marketplace and you shouldn't just dismiss these if you're a livestock producer or a meat eater let's talk about it with eric Bowl. he is the director of public affairs and advocacy for the missouri farm bureau
1: they are serious about finding something that actually approximates real meat that's the, the difference here is You know, these Garden Burgers and Boca Burgers before were marketed towards vegans and vegetarians. They were not ever meant to take over part of the meat market. These are intended to take over the meat market. Their entire goal of these companies on their mission statements is to end animal agriculture. And that is what makes it really different is they've got big money behind this. It's high tech, and they're really getting close to getting it right.
0: For the information important to rural America, join
5: us on Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and week in review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa?
4: Play my flash briefing.
5: Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Or you can search for the American Ag Network.
4: This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill.
5: Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound
6: of your voice on your Amazon device.
0: Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. With Sinex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
0: All right, let's talk weather. And a lot of people are talking weather uh, as we continue with this uh, unusual spring for much of the country and joining us now mike Palmerino, dtm meteorologist mike we went into the weekend talking about another winter storm in the upper midwest and then we uh, had the the severe weather in the south and southeast even where i'm at in central illinois we had a, a snowy palm sunday yesterday so there was weather, you know weather events and unusual weather events all over the country
7: It's just a very, very active pattern, Mike. Uh, Yeah, it's it's just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at us, and, you know, it looks like it's going to continue to do so, although, you know, looking out now over the coming week or so, it looks like most of the precipitation will be in the form of rain, but some of it is going to be quite heavy again, especially in the deep south.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that. Uh, What kind of rainfall amounts are we talking about in different parts of the country?
7: Well, it looks like we're looking at, uh, first of all, starting out with the heaviest amounts uh, uh, down through the Mississippi Delta and on down in the southeast where they picked up two to four inches in severe storms and tornadoes uh, over the weekend. They're going to get another two to four inches with another round of severe storms and tornadoes. Uh, That'll be coming up for uh, late Wednesday and Thursday in the Mississippi Delta, and it looks like uh, on into... uh, Uh, late Thursday and Friday in the southeastern U.S., the heart of the Midwest, we're looking at uh, about a half to two inches of rain really throughout the entire Midwest Corn Belt. The only reason why it isn't more is because of the fact that some of that moisture is going to be stolen in the deep south, preventing it uh, from flowing northward. And even in the... uh, uh, in the uh, hard grade winter wheat belt in the southern plains, uh, they're likely to pick up about a quarter to an inch locally heavier with this event.
0: So it doesn't sound like uh, much f- field work will get done this week. There were some places where a little bit was starting, uh, and that's kind of a lot of that's been put on hold, too, for a while, and it sounds like you now we're back into that pattern where we're looking for windows, and it doesn't seem like uh, we have uh, any that are open very long right now.
7: Not at this point, you know, considering, though, it is only April 15th. And if you look at the planting normals, uh, you know, there usually isn't much corn planting at this point normally going on in the Midwest. It really starts to pick up, you know, during the last week of April. You know, we'll see how things go. I I think, you know, if nothing else, just based on climatology, you know, as we go into the end of the month and, and on into early May, you should be looking at storm systems that are not as intense and producing more scattered showers that aren't as heavy as what we're looking at now.
0: What about that upper Midwest where that, that second big storm moved through late last week and into the weekend? Um, uh, when you look at that situation, are they going to start recovering now?
7: I think they will to a degree. It, uh, the, the questionable area is going to be in parts of South Dakota, and uh, southern minnesota where they've got some significant snow on the ground and depending upon how far north this moderate to heavy rain reaches during midweek uh that could essentially bring about another significant flood situation uh areas further to the north as you get into north dakota it looks like they're going to miss the brunt of this storm but I i would be concerned about you know, reinitiating some flooding with some moderate to heavy rain falling on that uh, snowpack—that significant snowpack that uh, occurred uh, last week—which
0: affects a lot of folks downstream.
7: Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, clearly a lot of that. You know, between the snowmelt and the uh, and the rains coming in, is gonna it's just gonna flow right into that Missouri River Valley.
0: So a lot of moisture yet to come this week. What about temperatures this coming week?
7: Uh, they're not going to be particularly warm. Uh, I think that we will warm up out ahead of the uh, um, next system. But I would say for the most part this week you're looking at highs um, generally in the uh, in the 60s during the day, maybe some low 70s in the southern areas and low temperatures uh, mostly in the 40s, so a little bit cooler than normal on the maxes and uh, a little bit warmer than normal on the mins due to the unsettled nature of the pattern.
0: Mike Palmerino with us, DTM meteorologist. Mike, we've been talking the last uh, few times we've been together about um, how unusual this weather pattern has been, hard to compare it with, with the other years in the past. Uh, what's behind such active uh, uh, weather uh events around the country, one right after another like this, this time of year?
7: Yeah, I, I think it's really a combination of things, Mike. We've got, we don't have a strong El Nino, but we do have a, uh, a weak to moderate El Nino in the Pacific, and El Ninos tend to generate, because of the warmer sea surface temperatures in the Pacific, they do tend to generate more storm systems in the Pacific, which come inland. So, we have more of a neck of a mechanism to generate storms. Um we also, you know, really have a lack of high pressure in the nation's midsection. All the high pressure has been pretty much uh situated along and off the east coast uh, uh during the, the past few months and what that does is that's sort of a conduit the flow on the west side of those uh Bermuda highs uh just opens Gulf moisture right up into the central part of the country. And then the the other ingredient is that Canada's been cool over the last uh, month or so, and that creates the temperature contrast between the cooler air to the north and the warm, humid air to the south, which allows these systems coming in off the Pacific, you know, to sort of reintensify after they cross the Rockies. And also, of course, the cool air in Canada you know, has manifested itself in in allowing temperatures to be cold enough to produce some uh, significant snowfall. So it's almost like the perfect storm where every ingredient is there to promote, uh, you know, all this uh, very, very wet pattern. And it's not just concentrated in the Midwest. I think like we've said in the last few weeks, virtually the entire country is wet. And you know, and that's including California, and I, I can't remember the last time we haven't been talking about drought, uh, you know, in California somewhere.
0: So beyond this middle week of April, what do you see for the latter part of the month?
7: I see a continuation of this pattern. You know, will it be quite as intense? Uh, probably not, but, you know, are we still going to be looking at two storms a week that could potentially produce uh you know, it, it moderate to heavy rainfall? I, I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, the only We've been on a track here the last few weeks where we have two storms a week, one midweek, one over the weekend. The only thing that's changed on that coming up is that this storm is going to be impacting the nation's midsection midweek. It's going to slow down, it looks like, as it approaches the uh, east coast, and that's going to, at least a little bit of a break, that's going to hold the next storm off until after the easter weekend it looks like uh it could be raining again though uh by first thing monday uh, throughout much of the midwest
0: real quick what's it look like in south america
7: well it looks good you know we we concentrate mostly this time of the year on that second crop corn as you know they're pretty much uh winding things down with the bean harvest in brazil and uh the harvesting, you know, which is just really getting underway for beans and is ongoing for corn, looks looks pretty good in Argentina, but the uh, the big story there is is central Brazil. After a drought uh, that impacted that bean crop earlier in the season, the rainy season came back like gangbusters. It continues to rain there now. We had moderate to heavy showers up there over the weekend, and well I'll tell you, Mike, I, I don't know how much bigger that second crop corn can get, but they're going to make a run at it because this rainy season has been just perfect for them. It started right as they planted after the uh, uh, soybean drought, and it's just continued uh, a lot longer than you you would have expected. So, you know, just sky's the limit right now in terms of what kind of production they're going to get out of that second crop corn in Brazil.
0: And it's a reminder to us that sometimes we just look at uh, our crop, situation here and we look at it in a vacuum we have to keep in mind the global situation and and while we may have trouble getting all of our corn acres planted this year or they may be delayed as you say in south america they're going full bore down there absolutely yeah so something to keep in mind when looking at the the total picture well mike thanks a lot appreciate you filling in for bryce anderson thanks for being with us good to talk with you okay mike take care You too. DTM meteorologist Mike Palmerino sees another wet week ahead for much of uh, the country, especially in the Midwest. Well, the Farmers for Free Trade Motorcade got underway last Friday. We're going to check in with them and see how far they've gone and uh, some of the things they were able to do over the weekend and what's on their schedule for today and this week. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on
2: Agriculture.
3: Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at ingeniaherbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines.
6: Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as four and a half percent and fuel economy by up to five percent. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Senex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips? Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in into the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories.
5: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. USDA saying 140,000 tons of soybeans sold to an unknown in 2018-19. We're trending higher in soybean futures to begin the trading week the western midwest seeing some lingering light snow over northern areas moderate to heavy precipitation over parts of missouri dry elsewhere on the radar maps in soybean futures trending five to six and a fraction higher may soybeans closed unchanged after a quiet inside day on friday the dominant trend according to the wire talk remains bearish recent selling bottoming out at eight eighty three on march 29th recent action has been Corrective in nature, according to the Wire Talk. May Corn edged slightly higher on Friday, edging higher to begin this trading week. We see supports at 355 and a quarter, resistance at 366 and a quarter. An hour into Monday's trade session, May Corn up two and three quarters at 363 and three quarters. December at 391 and a quarter, up two and a quarter. May Soybeans up six and a half at 901 and three quarters. November, an hour into the day, up six at 933 and three quarters. Chicago wheat, July, down three and a half, 465. Kansas City wheat, July, at 436 and a quarter, down a nickel. Minneapolis spring wheat, September, down a penny at 544 and a quarter. Live cattle futures, narrowly mixed. April down 17 at 126.37. May feeder cattle up 12 at 150.62. Lean hogs June down a dime at 9840 on Wall Street the Dow down 55 points May crude oil in New York down 27 cents you're listening to Adams on Agriculture I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network.
6: Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a ThermoSpas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount.
0: All right, on Friday, the Farmers for Free Trade Motorcade for Trade got underway. We're hoping to get a report from them. They're supposed to call in here during uh, uh, the next few minutes to give us an update. Uh, they got underway on Friday with, in an RV uh, wrapped with inf- you know uh, information about the Farmers for Free Trade and lots of information that they are passing out along the, along the route uh, about the importance of trade and holding different, town hall-type events along the way, and uh, this is going to go on for several days, so we hope to be getting a report from them here in just a few moments. Meanwhile, we mentioned this earlier, a lot of eyes, a lot of attention on talks uh, getting underway today between the U.S. and Japan. U.S. Trade Representative uh, Robert Lighthizer scheduled to meet today and again tomorrow with the Japanese economy minister, and those talks could give us some idea of uh, what is possible as far as some type of a trade deal. And as we talked about earlier with Sarah Wyant, uh, the hope is to be able to get what we would have gotten in TPP and maybe even more. But uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the significance of these talks and the potential uh, for trade with Japan Uh, especially for the meat side. Uh, We're going to talk about that tomorrow with the president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Really a lot on the line in those talks. Uh, We focus so much on China and U.S. MCA, but this would be another key piece to the um, trade uh, picture if we can get something done there, something that U.S. agriculture has been pushing hard for ever since uh, we pulled out of TPP. Meanwhile, we continue to wait to see if anything is going to come about on China. It still seems like there's a chance that there could be some type of announcement maybe coming even next month. And speaking of China, and this is something we're going to get into in the next segment, African swine fever still hitting that country hard. They don't seem to be able to get it under control despite uh, the number of uh, hogs that have been culled there. And uh, it's been found in now some other countries, so that is something that we continue to watch. Some say, and it's hard to get accurate information always out of China, but there are reports that as many as 200 million pigs in China could be culled or die from African swine fever. Uh, That's according to uh, Rabobank. They're reporting that figure, as many as 200 million uh, pigs in China. That would be the highest projection yet as these numbers continue to come in. We've been talking about this for some time, and despite the attempts taken by China, they have been unable to get that under control. And we're going to get more on that in our next segment from Liz Wagstrom, the chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. So that continues to be a huge story. Um, One, getting it under control is, is right at the top of the list. But two, then you look at the impact of it. And we've already seen some of that Uh, what china very heavy protein uh, diet there Uh, they count heavily on pork as well as this could impact not only pork but beef and uh, poultry as far as uh, potential exports into china so that is something we'll be keeping a close watch on as far as the implications market-wise uh, we've talked about this before with our market people that um, it may impact the amount of feed that they would import in a new deal if they have fewer animals to feed. But could also open up the opportunity for more uh, pork products as well as beef and poultry as well being exported into China. So we'll continue to watch that closely. Some of the other uh, items we're watching on Congress on their Easter recess and they went to break without passing any disaster assistance. And meanwhile, we've had more severe weather, of course, over the weekend, as we've talked about. Um, you got the flooding in the Midwest, now tornadoes in Alabama uh, and throughout the Southeast, a lot of damage over the weekend. So we um, wait to see. It seems like the longer they wait, the bigger the need is for assistance. And will they be able to cover all of that? Uh, in whatever type of package that they eventually come up with. That is what we're waiting to see, just what is in there. And, um, you know, just how encompassing can this disaster package be? We continue to wait and see on that. The other big story we talked about earlier, too, with uh, Sarah uh, Sarah Wyatt with AgriPolis, and we want to keep a close watch on this, is what happens in these court cases with um, glyphosate. And uh, even though EPA continues to stand behind the product as being safe, we have these jury trials that keep happening, ruling against uh, glyphosate, and that brings into question what will the uh, availability of that product be moving forward. So this is a story we continue to watch because it will have great ramifications, implications uh, on um, a key tool for many in agriculture Uh, moving forward. also want to mention again a reminder that this is the final day of the public comment period for the new Waters of the U.S. rule. We talked about this with uh, Don Parrish on Friday. A lot of comments have come in, but you still have a chance to get your comments in about this new rule and the need to change from the old rule. And as Don Parrish told us, you can go to their website, uh, fb.org, and on there you'll be able to find a link uh, to let you make it very easy to make a comment to EPA on uh, your thoughts on this Waters of the U.S. rule. So you can go to FB.org still today and get your comment in on uh, this rulemaking process. Keeping in mind, it's probably going to wind up in court anyway. The final decision will wind up in court, but uh, it's important to get your comments in because there are going to, a lot of comments coming in already, and you know a lot of them are going to be from groups that uh, will want Not want this new rule and the clarifications that are in it that agriculture feels so very, very important. So that's why you need to get your comments in. Looking at some more information, interesting information coming out as far as exports last year. There are 13 states last year that recorded their highest levels of exports in at least 10 years. And we we talk a lot about the trade problems that we're having and all the trade tensions and how it's been disruptive to trade, but it's interesting that 13 states last year had their highest levels of exports in at least 10 years. And that would include big farm states like California and Texas, and they exported 178 billion California and uh, 315 billion Texas, That's according to Commerce Department information. In five states, the value of goods exported reached an all time high. Those states included Georgia and Minnesota. So, interesting. We talk about how much damage and harm has been done, but yet there's still business being done and exports being made, and in some cases, uh, record levels. Makes you wonder what we could do if we ever got everything in place in a positive manner trade deals. Tariffs taken down, free and open trade makes you wonder just how much we could actually do and what that would mean as far as a lift to the ag economy. It seems like um, we can't ever get everything firing on all cylinders, uh, but we will watch closely uh, if maybe we get some good news now in these trade negotiations that are ongoing. I mentioned this earlier. It's like trade carrots being dangled in front of us we keep hearing about the potential of a deal with china the potential of the new usmca now the potential of japan and uh, many wondering when are we going to see actual solutions and actual results from these talks hopefully sometime soon speaking of usmca mexico's chamber last week passed a labor reform measure that is required under the uh, North American Trade Pact. Now, there have been members of Congress pointing to the labor situation. in Mexico is saying that has to be resolved before they would vote for the new USMCA. Several House Democrats especially have said they want to see changes there. And again, Mexico's lower chamber last week did pass a labor reform measure. So we'll see if that's enough to get more support in the U.S. House whenever we get to that eventual vote on USMCA. And that uh, they still have to go through a lot of the legal filings and things like that for that to happen. We're not quite there yet, although they're starting to kind of ramp up. The administration is starting to ramp up their efforts a little bit uh, in Congress, but still a ways to go. But that could be a key move. Meanwhile, uh, we're hearing from Canada, of course, waiting to see what their new list of products will be that they're going to put tariffs on, retaliatory tariffs, because of the steel and aluminum tariffs that the U.S. has on Canada and Mexico. And we're hearing that uh, that new list from Canada will probably have several uh, ag products on there. Their current list has not really impacted agriculture that much, but this new list very well could. So we're going to be watching that closely and see if that sparks any pressure to get, A, the administration, the Trump administration, to lift those tariffs on Canada and Mexico, and, B, will it have any impact then at all on um, getting USMCA passed? Still remains to be seen uh, if that's going to uh, get done or not. All right, so evidently they may not have had a chance to make a stop or have a good cell connection from their rv on the farmers for free trade motorcade so we're going to try to keep in touch with them throughout this week as they make their way from east to west they started i believe in pennsylvania and they're making their way west they're headed uh, uh, to illinois i know later uh, this week so we're going to try to stay in touch with them and hopefully be able to check in with them uh, later in the week and get updates on how the uh, motorcade for trade is going But speaking of trade, when it comes to pork trade, a lot of challenges between the U.S. and China, although there may be greater opportunities, as we mentioned, because of the spread of African swine fever. What is the very latest on that disease, that outbreak? We'll find out next as we talk with the chief veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. Liz Wagstrom joins us next here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.
3: Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded, season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits together with peace of mind? Go to IngeniaHerbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions.
0: Atoms on Agriculture, brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
7: We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did
0: 20
1: years ago. so, if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand.
0: Call 1 800 318 7903. That's 1 800 318 7903. 1 800 318 7903. Call now.
7: I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Devorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over five million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, the hard part
3: is over call consolidated credit now 1-800-489-7204 1-800-489-7204 that's 1-800-489-7204 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49,
0: Oregon DM-80031 recently on Adams on Agriculture we're talking with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley let's talk about trade in particular your differences with the, the president when it comes to the use of tariffs
8: now in the case of Mexico and Canada the president put these tariffs on to get them to negotiate the negotiations were successful from the president's point of view then the tariffs ought to go off they're still on the president's got to realize Mexico's not going to take it up Canada's not going to take it up we aren't even going to take it up in the United States Congress unless those tariffs get off uh, I don't know why it takes so long the economy's a little bit soft some success on trade negotiations would really be a big boost to the economy. This may not be done this year, and if it isn't done this year, it's not going to be done in election year. So the president needs to get off of uh, the pot and uh, start doing things that will help him and the economy.
0: For the information important to rule America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Do you know how to keep food
4: safe at home?
8: Clean, separate. Cook, and chill.
4: The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer.
1: Chill.
4: Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe.
8: Clean, separate, cook, and chill.
4: For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-Hotline.
5: Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network.
7: Hi, I'm George Foreman. Do you have an idea for a new
0: product or invention? People ask me all the time, George, how do I get my idea in front of companies? How do I get a patent? What do I do next? Do you have the same questions I'll tell you like I'll tell them all? Call my friends at InventHelp.
1: To get your free inventor's information, call 1-800-352-0432. That's one 800 432
0: I believe every inventor deserves the opportunity to step into the ring and take their best shot. Put InventHelp in your corner. Well, during the break, I I got a call from Brian Keel, Executive Director for Farmers for Free Trade, apologizing they didn't get the call to me sooner. Uh, They are traveling in the RV on the Farmers for Free Trade Motorcade for Trade, and uh, so they are going to try to hook up with us tomorrow here on the show and give us an update on how it is going as they make their way uh, across the country on that Motorcade for Trade, and we'll find out uh, what they've been able to do, who they've been able to talk to, and what's still ahead on their schedule. they got several more days on that motorcade coming up, so we'll try to catch up with them uh, tomorrow. Right now we catch up with the Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council, Liz Wagstrom. Liz, thanks for being with us.
8: Good morning, Mike. It's great to be there.
0: Let's talk about African swine fever. Um despite all the efforts by China to get uh, this disease under control, and this has been going on for some time now, uh, they've been a- unable to, it seems. And I know it's hard to get uh, real accurate information out of China and sometimes hard to get uh, information at all. But when we're looking at the numbers, we've seen some reports by some entities that are just staggering uh, the number of, of hogs, the number of pigs that will be killed or or could die from this disease, RoboBank calling it as many as 200 million. What are you hearing?
8: Yep, we're hearing that probably the most accurate numbers are coming from estimates of the feed suppliers who are talking that in some provinces they're down 30 to 40 percent as far as the number of pigs they're feeding. Thus, You know, those are either pigs that weren't born because they had lost sows or else pigs that had died.
0: Now, we've also heard reports of it showing up in other countries. What do we know about how far it has spread?
8: Sure. Um, Vietnam is probably the most transparent. Um, they don't have a, as strong a veterinary infrastructure as, as some of the other countries, but they're very transparent. They're up over 500 cases. It's spread clear across Vietnam. It's in now in Cambodia in a couple of cases. We would expect it will will spread quite um quite quickly through all of that area with Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos.
0: How do you stop it? Obviously, what they've done so far hasn't done it. I mean, what what is available to try to get this under control?
8: Sure. I mean, it, it's going to take aggressive action to um, stop pig movements, to um, euthanize, to first of all be looking for it, to be out there testing, doing surveillance, and then promptly euthanizing those farms, um, you know. And of course, there's always a disincentive for not adequate indemnity paid, or if the diagnostics are slow, or, or there's a whole, you know, several hurdles that you can can get to having that quick response. Um, and then your cleanup and recovery, and so. We have heard of farms that have been depopulated and that have not put pigs back in because they're they're afraid of putting that investment back into it turn positive again.
0: Tell us about the disease itself. How is it similar to or different from disease you know uh swine diseases we've dealt with in the past
8: sure uh, African swine fever this there's a whole several different serotypes or strains. Um, that can cause mild disease all the way up to this one, which is- called the Georgia strain, and the Georgia strain is um and and for and just to be clear it's named after the country, Georgia, not our state, so it's not in the United States, never has been but but this strain is um causes high mortality it moves um throughout a herd in a um in a steady fashion it's not something that blows up and all the pigs die immediately, but you know it it spreads by nose to nose contact, and then so you'll get all the pigs in the pen sick, and then all the pigs, you know, in the pens next to those animals will get it. So it it spreads slowly, three to five day incubation, maybe a little longer in some cases, and then pigs just they go off of feed, they start um, turning red and purple, they start bleeding from um, you know even open sores in their skin. Um, When they die, if you do a necropsy, it's, you know, blood everywhere and huge big um, spleen and lymph nodes. So pretty dramatic, but not necessarily the only disease that can cause those symptoms. So you could see, um, you know, a a bad salmonella perhaps cause this. Um, That's why we're working really hard with USDA and very happy at USDA's been so responsive um, as we've worked with them to look at um, adding samples that our diagnostic labs can test, so that they can test you know, spleen and lymph nodes. They, they used to just be able to test whole blood. And then also that we're going to start looking um, at those pa- the samples that come into the lab that may not be suspicious of African spine fever, but if they meet that definition of the what a case looks like, that, that we'd get those tested just to make sure that we could identify a case early on if we were to have the disease.
0: No vaccine is there.
8: There has been efforts for decades. So the um, USDA there has been working on one for quite a while. They're working now um, with one of the commercial vaccine companies on on some promising technology. Um, the USDA has also tried to be, or is becoming part of a global um, initiative based out of Europe, looking at vaccine, where that's very, so, um, so there's efforts, I don't see anything close up. That's why, you know, we're working so closely with USDA and the Customs and Border Protection to work on prevention. Um, We're thrilled USDA provided funding for 60 more canine teams. So those are the the beagles you might see at the airport um, sniffing bags, looking for people that would be bringing in illegal meat products or other illegal um, uh, um, items. And then also we're um, advocating for 600 new agricultural inspectors for the um, Customs and Border Protection
0: Yeah, it's so critical to make sure this stays out of the United States. Liz, thank you for the update on African swine fever. We appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. Liz Wagstrom, Chief Veterinarian for the National Pork Producers Council. Thanks for joining us on AOA.